compelled to speak about them. And these atrocities, they've been happening for a few years. We can almost say, you know, this entire decade so far, the 2000s, we've been seeing horrendous things taking place throughout the world. And oftentimes these things are gut-wrenching. They're truly emotional. That when we see them, we feel a sense of pity. We feel sorry for them. We have the sense of pain in our hearts. Sometimes we're moved to tears. And this is something that any person who has a sense of decency in their heart, or any person with a sense of humanity will go through those same feelings. They will feel that sadness, they will feel that anger, they will feel that outrage. Sometimes they will be moved to tears. So when we first hear about these news stories, we go through that same range of emotions. Initially, we're outraged, we're angered, that how can this be done to our brothers and sisters? We feel sorrow, we feel sadness for them, we feel their pain. Perhaps some of us may even cry, we discuss it in our talks, we discuss it with our families and our friends. But after a few days, for some others, after a few weeks, we become completely desensitized to it. That it becomes something that's forgotten. Right? Something that's so horrendous and so outrageous that caused so much emotion, after a few weeks, after a few months, even after a few days, it's completely forgotten. And one of the main reasons of that is that when something happens in a distant place, when something happens far away, halfway across the globe, when it doesn't really affect our daily lives, we don't really feel the emotion of that tragedy. We don't really feel the feelings of it. Rather, that tragedy, that incident that's occurring, it's just a statistic. It's just numbers. It's just information. So when we hear about it on the news, when we read about it online, it comes to us in this form of information. So it's just a bunch of numbers. That, oh, some thousand people were killed, a hundred people were killed yesterday. And since we're just given these numbers and stats, the whole human aspect is removed from the story. We can't associate names, we can't associate faces with those numbers. So we don't really recognize how great these tragedies really are. And I think I talked about this before. Just take the example or the statistics from the conflict in Syria. The last time I spoke about it, the number was at 100,000. That over 100,000 people had been killed till that day. I looked it up again this morning. That number has gone to 200,000. Over 200,000 innocent people, Muslims, our brothers and sisters, have been killed unjustly. Right? And now, again, this is just a number to us, 200,000. It's something that goes in this year and comes out the other. But we don't recognize how big a number 200,000 really is. An example, just for us to understand what 200,000 dead people are, is that this masjid, this hall, it can hold maybe 500 people. Right? Say if this is filled to capacity from here till the back, there's maybe 500 people in this masjid. 100,000 is 200 of these masjids filled that with that many people. 200,000, that's 400 halls of this size filled with brothers and sisters that have been killed unjustly. Some of them were killed in the most inhumane ways possible. They were massacred, they were slaughtered. Sometimes chemical weapons were used against them. So just think about the gravity of that. 400 of these halls filled with dead bodies. And these were people that were our brothers and sisters. There were mothers, there were grandmothers, there were fathers and grandfathers, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, children, relatives, close friends. They were people just like us. There were Abdullahs, right? There were Muhammads, there were Ahmeds, there were Fatimas, there were Zainabs, there were Hafsas. These were real people with real lives. 
and their lives were taken away from them. Their comfort, their security was stolen from them, oftentimes just because of their faith. Oftentimes just because they wanted freedom. The numbers in the Gaza, they're startling as well. They're saying till today there's almost 2,000 people that have been killed unjustly. For no reason whatsoever. And the vast majority of that 2,000, probably 80 to 90% are innocent civilians. There are children, there are mothers, there are medics, people who are going to help the injured, they're being attacked and they're being bombed. Hospitals, schools are being attacked. And again, all of this just because of their faith or just because they want freedom. And when we see these images, we're supposed to be outraged. We're supposed to feel angry. We're supposed to have that emotion. We're supposed to feel sad. We're supposed to feel sorry. Something is supposed to happen to our hearts. But that emotion is supposed to turn into action. We can't just have that emotion and let it pass. Rather, these emotions that we feel should compel us to do something about it. So when we see images, and sometimes these images are graphic, and we as human beings, we don't like seeing those things, because it takes away our peace of mind. Right? It takes away from our comfortable little lives that we have here. And some of these images, they're so graphic, they're so horrendous, that the only thing a person can do is cry. Right? There's images of mothers who are holding on to their two-year-old children, trying to protect them from being bombed. But you see, both of them are buried underneath the rubble. There's pictures of little, little innocent children, three years old, two years old, that na'udhu billah, you see, half of their head is blown off. And these are realities, these are images, real things that happen to real individuals just like us. And when it's happening to Muslims, our emotion should be that much stronger. The believers are just like one body. Anyone who says, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah is part of this body of Islam. If the eye of that body is in pain, then the entire body should feel that pain. If the head is in pain, then the entire body should feel that pain. So the Prophet is giving us this metaphor, he's giving us this example, that we as an ummah are one. We are one body. When any part of that body feels pain, we should feel that pain along with it. But again, that's not where it ends. We're not just supposed to feel that emotion. It's not a fleeting feeling that should go away. Rather, it should compel us to do something about it. It should compel us towards action. The Qur'an, the Sunnah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi they have declared the sanctity of Muslim life. Not just Muslim life, but human life in the most explicit terms possible. Human life, and more particularly Muslim life, is something that is sacred. The greatest sin, the greatest oppression or aggression that a person can do against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to take away a Muslim life unjustly. If you look throughout the Qur'an, the greatest punishment mentioned in the Qur'an, the most severe, the most harsh punishment in the Qur'an is for killing an innocent Muslim, for taking the life of an innocent Muslim unjustly. وَمَنْ يَقْتُلْ مُؤْمِنًا مُتَعَمِّدًا فَجَزَاؤُهُ جَهَنَّمْ خَالِدًا فِيهَا وَغَضِبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَلَعَنَهُ وَأَعَدَّ لَهُ عَذَابًا عَظِيمًا That whoever intentionally kills a believer وَمَنْ يَقْتُلْ مُؤْمِنًا مُتَعَمِّدًا Whoever intentionally kills a believer فَجَزَاؤُهُ جَهَنَّمْ Then his recompense, his punishment is hellfire. It is Jahannam. خَالِدًا فِيهَا and that person will be in hellfire for all of eternity, forever. No chance, no possibility of exiting. 
And Allah becomes angry upon that person. And He curses that person. And Allah prepares a severe punishment for that particular person. So if we see these atrocities happening right before our eyes, and we see that these people seemingly are getting away with it, nothing's being done about it, they keep killing indiscriminately, then we should know for a fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of them. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't take care of them in the life of this world, then without a doubt, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them what they deserve in the hereafter. So Muslim life is sacred. Now the question again comes back to us, that when we see these types of atrocities, when we see these types of inhumane things going on across the world, how do we respond? How do we act? What do we do about it? More importantly, how do we understand them? Right? Why is it that Muslims are being killed left and right? Why is it that Muslim blood is so cheap? Right? Why is it that our brothers and sisters are struggling so hard? Aren't they believers? Aren't they upon the truth? Aren't they promised these protections from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So how do we understand them? So the most important, the most fundamental thing for us as Muslims to understand is that all of these are tests and trials from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything that's happening across the globe to any Muslim, these are all things that are part of the plan, the greater plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is some divine wisdom in it. We may not understand what that divine wisdom is, what that hikmah is, but there is some divine, deep divine wisdom hidden in it. And this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us will happen without a doubt. That we as believers will be tested. Our faith, our iman, our yaqeen, it will be shaken. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly, explicitly, emphatically tells us that without a doubt, we will test you with a portion of fear. Sometimes you will be tested in terms of security. There will be some type of fear in your life. You may fear for your own physical well-being or for the well-being of your children. You might fear some type of financial difficulty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test others with hunger. Some people won't have food. They won't be able to feed their family. They won't be able to feed their children. But this is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes there will be a loss of wealth. Sometimes there will be a loss of life. Sometimes there will be a loss of fruit. So basically Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that look, every single human being, particularly the believers, their faith, their iman will be tested. But how do we respond to these tests? How do we respond to these difficulties? Give glad tidings to the people who have patience. Give glad tidings to the people who have steadfastness. That when these atrocities, when these hardships befall them, they deal with them in the appropriate way. They deal with them with sabr. They have that full yaqeen, that full certainty, that full reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. الَّذِينَ إِذَا أَصَابَتْهُمْ مُصِيبَةً قَالُوا إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ That when a difficulty, when a hardship, when some atrocity befalls them, they simply say what? إِنَّا لِلَّهِ وَإِنَّا إِلَيْهِ رَاجِعُونَ We belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do whatever He wills and whatever He wants to the human race, to the human beings. 
Inna lillah, our lives, our wealth, everything belongs to Allah. Wa inna ilayhi raji'un. And all of us are going to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They have that sense of tawakkul, that sense of yaqeen, that strong, firm iman, that belief. And these people who bear these difficulties with patience, who have that trust in Allah, then these are the people who receive blessings from Allah. They may receive those blessings here in this world, but for sure they receive the blessings in the akhirah and the hereafter. Right? And rahmah, they receive mercy from Allah. And subhanAllah, sometimes even these atrocities are a form of Allah's mercy. And again, sometimes that doesn't make rational sense. We can't make sense of it. But this is also from the mercy, from the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these are the ones who are guided. So again, the point then, all of us will be tested. Sometimes those difficulties, sometimes those tests will be something that's not that big of a deal. Right? Like for us living here in America, you know, we're given some types of difficulties. Maybe we become sick. Maybe our children become sick. Maybe the stock market crashes and we lose some money. It's not that big of a deal. It's a problem. It's a difficulty. We're being tested. But it's not that big of a deal. Others, other tests, other difficulties, they are huge. They're big problems. This should help us put things into perspective. Now, again, this is something that will happen to all of us. And who are we to believe that we won't be tested? How can we as human beings, as Muslims, say that, you know what, Alhamdulillah, we have Iman, we have faith, that means we should have comfortable lives. But that's not the way the relationship works. The stronger the believer, the more severely he will be tested. And this is something that the Prophet ﷺ told us in a hadith. Think about this, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, whoever Allah wants good for a person, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants good for a person, he tests that person. Imagine that, that again, that doesn't make sense to us. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants good for a person, He will test him. And the most severely tested individuals that ever lived in this world were the Prophets. All of the Prophets, all of the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala were tested in the most severe, the most unimaginable hardships that we can think of. Even the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa even our Prophet, the last and final messenger, the greatest man to walk on the face of this earth, was tested severely. And this is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran as well. أَمْ حَسِبْتُمْ أَن تَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةِ وَلَمَّا يَأْتِكُمْ مَثَلُ الَّذِينَ خَلَوْ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now, He's speaking to all of us. He's speaking to each of us. Do you think that you're going to enter paradise and you have not been tested like those who came before you? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is asking this a very real question. Do you think paradise is that easy? Do you think you're going to get paradise and you have not been tested like those people that came before you? They were afflicted with poverty. They went through very difficult, hard times where they did not have food. They didn't have enough food to feed their families. Right? They went through difficult hardships. Some of the companions were killed because of their faith. Some of them were tortured, they were persecuted. All types of things were done against them. And the believers were shaken. They were shaken so much that their faith was actually shaken. Right? 
Mata Nasrullah. They were shaken to such an extent that the Prophet ﷺ himself, the companions عنهم, themselves said what? Mata Nasrullah. When is the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going to come? Where is the help of Allah? Now think about this again. This is something that is very significant. We're talking about the Messenger of Allah His Iman was not like our Iman. His faith was 100% complete. He had full certainty, full yaqeen in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The companions عنهم, the best generation of people to walk on this earth, they also said what? Mata Nasrullah 